Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by two first-time guests, which is, it happened to two episodes in a row now. Yeah. Um, we have gay Twitter crush. <laughs> Paul Weinberg. And we have writer and host of the podcast, Woodland Secrets. Hi, I'm Merrick Kay. Yay. Yay. Oh my gosh. And today we're here to discuss Out of My Mind, season five, episode four. Yeah. 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 Something oh, like wait. That. Sorry. That was noise on my end. <laughs> <laughs> I was closing Netflix and I was just watching Queer Eye. So it was just <laughs> the Queer Eye music. I actually only heard like a blip. I didn't even barely okay. even heard anything. Um, I need to watch that. Um, so since you're both first time guests, um, we get everyone's Buffy origin when they're a first timer. Merritt, give us your Buffy origin story. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I didn't see Buffy the first time around. Like I didn't see it while it was airing. Um, I was a very nervous kid and like, I didn't like horror and I still don't like horror (laughs) movies. Um, but so I I got really scared when the theme song came on (laughs) and, um, it wasn't until college when I was, um, I was in like my first relationship and this this girl that I was seeing was like really had been really into it and we ended up watching the whole thing together and like she had seen it all and sort of was like following my reactions as I was like oh my god I can't believe that happened <laughs> and um that I guess I really kind of fell in love with it um because of the Giles Buffy relationship um I've always had a soft spot for those kind of like male mentor figure like totally non-sexualized kind of depictions which is something I talked about a lot of my now now ended I just ended it today we're recording on Father's Day uh podcast dad feelings um and that sort of like became the most important part of the show to me wait wasn't John Leavitt on dad feelings he was we did talk about Giles yeah I remember him telling us that he talked about it he talked about Giles on the podcast that's funny um yeah I also yeah, which is funny. Today's Father's Day. Yeah, I think Giles is like the best dad figure. Wow, revealing when we're when we're recording. <laughs> I know it won't air for like three weeks, but whatever. Peeking behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> so and Paul. Paul. Yeah. Uh, well, first I should say my mom was obsessed with Giles from his uh, Folgers coffee commercials. So <laughs> she always would like ask me to have her come in when um, I was watching whenever he showed up. So I'm actually the opposite in that I did see it when it first aired actually only I've never done a rewatch. So um, my memories of Buffy are like me watching it basically fifth grade through junior year of high school. Um, The first episode I saw was nightmares and it's still one of my favorite episodes. And um, I was just like, I was definitely like a weird little gay kid who just loved witchcraft and vampires and dark stuff. And so my my favorite part of Buffy um, and the part I was related to the most was like that she was the good guy, but she had this sort of darkness inside her that freaked her out, um, but ultimately was like her biggest strength. And I think that Nightmares was really the first episode that actually sort of uh, brought that theme into the show. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Nightmares as well. Um, It's like the fifth or sixth episode, right? 
It was no, it was the like third to last episode of the first season. Okay. Um, so I came in a little late and then that summer they replayed the whole first 12 episodes. Um, but yeah, it's like she turns into a vampire cause that's her biggest fear. Yeah. And I just like this part where she's like, you may be scary, but I'm scarier. And I was like, yeah, that's my shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're here to discuss out of my mind, which I don't know why, but so the next episode is No Place Like Home, and I don't know why I always forget which title goes with which episode. Um, and yeah, it's a Spike Riley episode. Um, <laughs> Matthew, would you like to start? Sure. Well, I mean, the, it begins with a pretty good uh, graveyard scene, which as far as like opening graveyard scenes go, I think this one's pretty good. Um, yeah. And basically the whole premise is that while Buffy is like slaying a bunch of vampires, Riley shows up and brings his toxic masculinity, and then Spike <laughs> comes and brings some of his, and they all just like have a toxic party <laughs> on, on Buffy's patrol. I do think Spike being there almost feels a little out of place since he's like, it feels like he would be like, oh, maybe I'm killing monsters, but like those ones might kill Buffy, so let me let them keep doing their thing, right? Right. Because he's not well, like, I, in love with her yet, or like obsessed. No, with her. I think he's he's not in love with her, but he's already obsessed with her because we mm-hmm. saw in the last episode that he has already a, a mannequin that he speaks to as if it's Buffy. Oh right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I think that he is like obsessed with her. So I think he was really following her around, and mm-hmm. then like using the excuse that oh well, I need a decent bit of violence. Like, but really, I'm like watching you because it's just okay to watch women that you have a crush on like it's just okay <laughs> to like constantly follow them so i feel like spike gets all like 90% of the good lines in this episode um like right off the bat he's like he has a nosebleed which is weird that vampires get nosebleeds but and he's like licking the blood off and buffy's like oh yeah and he's just like what it's blood it's what i do and it's like and then he gets the stupid gag of uh doing this dark monologue about how he's gonna kill her and bathe in her blood and trips into a grave which is like kind of a dumb psych gag but it like it works like it's pretty good <laughs> yeah i feel like it's, it's a it's... very weed and buffy <laughs> well i wrote that down like not only is it a very like weird sight gag it was very like well we don't know how to go to the title sequence so <laughs> go with a pratfall like, <laughs> like, um when i was preparing for this i was actually watching the unaired um pilot of buffy on youtube which yeah. if you haven't seen it you should watch because it's it's amazing but um it is so interesting that like the tone of the show I think has sort of gradually shifted. And this like this season is when you see them get like a lot more slapsticky and like you kind of can't have a really serious line without there being a pratfall to follow it in this sort of Whedon-esque way. Like it was sort of self-serious in like the first two ser- seasons and now all of a sudden not all of a sudden, but now it's become this sort of like we get that this is a little bit campy and silly and we're going for it. Well, what's funny is that like I think season four tries to be like an outright comedy at times. And, yeah. and I think the show actually it, 
it always kind of like goes back and forth. So season three was kind of serious with a lot of humor. And then season four was like, felt like a comedy at times. And then they do season five is a mix. And then season six again is just like absurd farce comedy half the time. And then seven is like overly serious and sometimes dull, (laughs) but like, right. It keeps trying to be like, what kind of show do we want to be? And then like, but and obviously, like, the genre blending is, like, what's such a strength of Buffy and that it's able to do everything. But sometimes it doesn't, like, in this in, in those moments, it's, like, tonally a little weird. Yeah, because it can kind of makes it from, like, one episode to the next. Like, it's a complete... And I think that's having different writers, obviously, like, sort of head each episode. It's sort of their tone going into... Uh, I mean... The I... I thought it was weird, like, I don't know, I thought at this point, like, Spike was over the 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 monologues about bathing in Buffy's <laughs> blood, right? Like, I just felt like we were, were past that moment. And it was weird for me to, like, see Spike still have such contempt for her. I don't know. I feel like they had to do that so that the end of the episode, like, feels like a bigger, or, like... That's true. That's true. I, do, I do have to say, though, I think season five maybe does the best job of balancing the, like, super silly and then the intense seriousness, because we can go from, like, you know, an episode like this, but then we end on, like, you know, Glory's gonna destroy the entire fucking world. Right. They're all gonna die. They need to run away. Like, and I I think this season does a good balance for me. Although, Matthew and I were discussing, before we started recording, the beginning of season five is a little bit slow, but it's only, like, four or five episodes that are slow. Because once we get Glory, she's, like, there. Um, yeah. And, and it's in the next episode that we meet her. Um, so it almost feels like these episodes are very, like, well, we gotta get everything. We gotta get all the, like, any plot points we wanted to do with the characters. We gotta get them all lined up within these first five episodes or so. So that way when Glory's there, everyone can be on board to, like, help fight and, you know, fight the good fight or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this episode is sort of the definition of a filler episode in a way where, like, it's not in the whole universe of the of the seasons of Buffy and then the comics after. Like, it's not that interesting of an episode, yeah. but it's just required to get some stuff out of the way. Well, I mean, the next scene isn't really... I mean, the next scene maybe after that is Buffy and Willow talking about the French Revolution. Matthew, in, but... my, in my notes, I put, this is like me and Matthew when I finally say something smart. <laughs> <laughs> I have, in all caps for this scene, Willow, that striped sweater. Because this is like a just classic Willow sweater, right? Yeah. And I feel like getting to college, she's really like taking the limiter off. Um, oh yeah she's sort of like shown her true form which is just like this she's in her element now she's like a huge dork and like that's you know reflected in her character by her choice of sweaters (laughs) i would love to see like some fashion house do a line inspired by willow's fashion like just the willow sweater line and just like bring it all back i'd be i'd be all over that hot topic did release the pink sweater (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i it's think funny. compared to buffy's outfit it also stands out because she looks like she's from the fashion club um yeah. on daria like she just has this like cool lavender like halter top and then i noticed in this episode she has several different um animal print like tote bags like she's where she has a cow print bag in this up ep- in this scene <laughs> 
And then when they're <laughs> at the hospital, she has like a leopard print version of the same bag. <laughs> I love the idea of her having all these bags. Uh, <laughs> I I also say this little this little throwaway French Revolution moment does have one of the standout like Willow jokes, which is the joke about the occipital lobe, mm-hmm. in which I always remember Willow saying, but I never forget. I never remember it's in this episode. <laughs> uh, instead of saying, "Watch her back," she says, "Watch my occipital lobe." I also wanted to point out. Um, I'm going to expose myself. I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about until they said the French Revolution as they're walking <laughs> off camera. <laughs> I was I kept being like, oh, what like classic literature are they referencing? And I was like, oh, the French Revolution. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Wait, does Buffy imply that like some of the key players in the French Revolution were vampires? Right? Yes, she's basically arguing that she thinks that the death that they're talking about, I forget who it was who was killed in the bathtub. That um like it doesn't look like it was a like it historically is that he was like murdered in his tub but like she look thinks it looks like it was a vampire who did it. I meant to. Look but we that... know from we know from selfless from Anya that like demons started the Russian Revolution so maybe they started the French Revolution too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe all revolutions. Yeah, all revolutions are secretly demons. <laughs> I mean, I'd be on board with that theory. <laughs> I like this scene because it sort of hammers the fact that, like, not only is Buffy training harder, and, like, even in the first scene, like, she stakes a vampire, like, in the ground, like, before he's even come out of his grave, which I don't think we've ever seen her do. Um, So you see that, like, she's physically stronger and, like, more um, capable as a slayer. And then the fact that she's working so hard at school, it's, like, she's maturing, Um yeah, and I sort of feel like Dawn, like the presence of Dawn, rushes that a little. That not like rushes in terms of storytelling, but like literally within Buffy, like it it forces her to mature in a way. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because as much as we like, you know, we're getting to know Buffy as big sister. Like by the time. In, like, ten episodes, we're going to get to know Buffy as, like, surrogate mom, right? right? So it really does, like, the presence of Dawn, you're right. Like, it really ages the character up a lot. Because not only do we now have a much younger and much less mature person to, like, bounce off against her. Mm-hmm. We also have the fact that, like, she has to become, like, a mother at 19. Yeah. Or, like, or yeah. 20. Yeah. We all, yeah, I also consistently forget that they're still 19 in this season. Um, it's like bananas to think of you know everything she does i was going to the mall at 19 like what the fuck was i doing (laughs) definitely not saving the world um so then we get them going to the magic box and i do i i don't know if this is an unpopular opinion but i think the magic box as a set is as iconic as the library i love it I love it so much. Like, I seeing it again in this episode, because it's been a minute since I watched the show, like, I want to go there so badly. (laughs) Right? Like, I want to hang out with my friends there and have it be, like, our spot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is actually, it's a pretty, I mean, it it lasts for, like, two whole seasons as, like, the the main place where everything happens. Because if you think about it, like, season seven all happens inside Buffy's house. They, like, yeah. don't go anywhere. <laughs> they're in the house all the time. So the magic box is actually a pretty... I mean, it also works in this moment in the series to be the center of everything, because, like, Willow's magic is the center of the whole show in five and six. 
Yeah. Right. And the fact that they're always around like these magical elements and then the fact that Buffy's like training thing is in the back also is really cool. Right. And it gives I mean it, we see Xander being useful. Yeah. Which is Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um and it also then it also gives obviously Giles something to do and Anya something to do. So it does sort of like center and ground everyone in a way. But like, well, speaking of Xander being helpful, because like, well, I mean, you guys didn't hear our our last episode podcast yet because it has not aired yet. <laughs> hashtag timeline. But we <laughs> talk about how the show often like pits Xander and Riley against each other, or like just like compares them, and that happened in the last episode in the placement. And then you see in this episode, Xander is like, "Ooh, and I helped when he like has the dummy in the magic box." Yeah. But Riley like is so over the top. Uh huh. Uh huh. He just constantly. Why do you want to beat up your girlfriend that badly in front of in front of uh, Giles and Xander? That made me me cringe because she's not even it's almost like a mom with their kid because he's just saying these things and she doesn't even respond. She's just like talking to Giles and he's like, oh, let's go. Oh, what are you afraid? And she doesn't even acknowledge he's saying it. Yeah, that scene is going in my cringe compilation. Um, (laughs) But but so I like every time Riley shows up in this episode, I have a note that is just like, oh, this happens because Riley fucking sucks. Um, (laughs) But like I realized like, oh, but this episode does such a good job of making you hate him. And like I'm kind of curious as to whether or not like that was sort of the intent because it doesn't always seem like it. Like it seems like he's supposed to be sympathetic, but like he's he's eminently hateable in this episode. Yeah, I Well, it's funny because he is like a very hated figure and I really like Riley, but I think it's funny that the show like the show it was like 3 seasons of Angel before we get to Graduation Day Part 2 where she like stops all the action that's going on in order to like save Angel and her and Riley have not had like that intense a love, but she like puts everything on hold and is like I need to save Riley. And I don't feel like the audience was like that into her saving Riley. They were like, yeah. you know what? Let him have a heart attack. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let I him mean, go. so, okay. So, but I wanted, before we move on, I wanted to point out, I just really like Willow's cute line when she walks in. She like throws her hands in the air and says, I feel like a witch in a magic shop. Nude eye, like, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's cute. and I feel like they do give Anya not just give her something to do for a job, but like she's knowledgeable about this stuff because she was a demon for a thousand years. And right. I liked her yelling at Giles about I forget exactly what it is, but like you can't put these two things next to each other. It's um, a monkey's head and sticks water. Ooh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just thought that was really funny. That um, like I because it just like made me do this whole this whole thing. Where I'm like, oh my god, does sticks exist in this universe? Like, did, how did they get the water? Like, <laughs> also there's like a cute little scene between Willow and Tara where they're like, oh yeah, she does like, what do you see, Willow hand? And it's just like this is so dumb, cutesy, but like they managed to make it not not part of the cringe compilation. Yeah. Well, have have they hooked up yet? Yeah, yeah, they're dating. Yeah. In this, okay, yeah, because cause when Willow's like, here, do me, it's just like, oh, of course, Joss. Like, <laughs> that's not, that is intended to be read both ways because it's Joss. <laughs> I almost would have liked if that became their side job is do fortune telling. Oh, yeah. That would have been a cool, like, yeah. you could have had an episode around that, right? That would have been cool. Yeah. While Tara was, like, kind of, like, introduced while Willow's magic is, like, growing, Tara doesn't ever do that much 
she'll like do a spell with Willow, but she never like, you know, does much aside right. from that. And I would have liked to see her doing something and it would have given her something to do. Um, How dare you? <laughs> no, but I love she her. Kills, she kills a biker demon with an axe. I know. And it's like the only <laughs> in the name in the name of lesbian love. <laughs> wait, but no, that wait is magic a metaphor for lesbianism still in this season? I think so. No, no, no. Well, no, no. magic is lesbianism in season four. Oh, and then now magic, it's drugs. And then magic is drugs in season six. But I think right. in season five, magic is just magic. magic yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can just enjoy it for what it is, except later on in this episode, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, so, also, I why did all the nerds react weird when Buffy says Q? I was like, what am I missing here? Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, it, I feel like it was just a timing thing. I don't know. I didn't. It's a weird scene. Yeah, right? Because I was like, they would all know what... I mean, maybe Giles wouldn't, because he's, like, a like research nerd, not, like, a nerd nerd. But, like, Xander at least definitely would know who Q is from James... Like, I know who Q is from James Giles Bond. Giles has seen James Bond. Right? Like, yeah. absolutely <laughs> but, has. But Riley seems, like, straight up insulted. Yeah. Like, she looks pissed that she said it, and it's like, why is everyone... It's because he's so a bro afraid? problem. True, true. <laughs> He's like, no, say I'm this masculine man who, like, fights. That's true, because what does she say? She says the tooth fairy and fairy godmother in Q. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's why Riley's, like... <laughs> yeah. He's, um, like, wolf. So then we get um, Harmony. And I have to say, I think Harmony is a delight to watch on screen. She's incredible. Right? Mercedes And she's cab. really good in this episode for yeah. no reason, like... Harmony slays this entire episode. Mm-hmm. She does. She's the best part by yeah. far. Mercedes McNabb is giving a performance that like this episode didn't like merit, but like <laughs> it's great. <Yeah. laughs> okay, but wait, you skip before Harmony shows up. Spike is watching Dawson's Creek. Oh yes, my god, is he? he? Is. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, oh, they're okay, advertising so you're for a WB show within <laughs> another WB show. They're like, listen, Spike watches Dawson's Creek. You should too. He loves oh soap operas because a few episodes ago, um, he was watching Passions with Child. Oh my right? god, that's yeah. wait, that's funny, Merritt, because I didn't catch what the show he was watching, and I just assumed it was Passions since like that was <laughs> no, already he mentions established. Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like just wasn't paying attention, and I was like, oh, that's cute. He's watching Passions, but yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that would be easier for them to get since it was the same network at that point. They'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. put our show there, and like parallels the whole thing that's happening with. Like he's saying, like you idiot, she doesn't love you, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then that, that's just what's happening to him. He's Pacey. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I, I so I do love when Harmony comes in because I love that she thinks that she is arch nemesis with Buffy, <laughs> yeah. and that Buffy is like out there looking for her actively because <laughs> Buffy like I, isn't giving her a thought. <laughs> right. Like I relate to Harmony very much <laughs> in this part where I'm like. Where, like, I always pe- pe- think people are mad at me and, like, they literally don't even know who I am. Um, <laughs> and I just, she's just, Mer- Mercedes McNabb steals, like, whatever she's in, like, the Adams Family, Adams Family Values, like, no matter what, like, she's just so funny. Um, and almost without even trying, like, her face just has this power to, like, because she's an idiot and she's acting like an idiot and somehow you still like really like her. Yeah. Well, she says she, uh, so she sees Buffy patrolling with a stake and she says she won't give up till she's killed me to death. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and then she says, I'm on the lamb, didn't you hear? I'm totally her arch nemesis. <laughs> like, I also um, love when she's like, I'll do anything. And he's like, anything? She's like, yeah. Oh, you mean have sex with you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's smoking and yeah. he, Spike is just like, ugh. And she's like, I'm a villain, Spike. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then coughs as she's inhaling. Yeah. As she's inhaling her Virginia Slim. <laughs> she's Truly. come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, okay. It's so funny that you brought this up before, Merit, about whether vampires bleed. Because this episode has me with so many questions about, like, vampire body phenomena. Mm-hmm. Because, yes. because Harmony can't breathe. So I don't think she would choke on a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and she couldn't even be able to drag off it would she right like, like i guess I mean, she could still do the function i mean because if they have to suck blood they can obviously suck on a right. cigarette she can bring the the smoke into her mouth but i don't think that it would cause her lungs to like cough because much she like bill breathe. clinton she did not inhale <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but she like oh wait i was gonna make a tasteless uh joke about how she can still suck um <laughs> please let's <laughs> not Let's not do that. That's on Let's brand not. for our podcast. <laughs> our podcast is tasteless. Well, speaking of sucking, um, can we move on to the next scene where Riley and Buffy are in bed? Oh, wow. Yes, I oh wanted my God. to. That scene is too much. Matthew, I wanted to point out that in our last episode, I said, Riley must lay it down really good because Buffy doesn't seem interested, but like they still make time to show them making out and hooking up. And I feel like this scene kind of solidified my theory that like because i've dated someone who you know was just like oh the sex was really good and yeah we didn't have chemistry but like i think that's literally what keeps her is that he's probably <laughs> well he, yes like, and it makes sense Mary, that he might be Mary, what were you gonna say sorry well i was sorry. gonna say that this is another scene that cements my dislike for riley because he is that guy like when he's like oh like buffy's like that was relaxing i just like laughed um because that doesn't <laughs> seem like she's just been like you know um but He's just like, I love a challenge. Like, he's the guy who is like, I'll go down on you for hours. And like, he's just like, leave Buffy alone. She just wants to sleep. Get a job. Stay away from her. (laughs) Um, No, but one of the things about this, that this scene that I really, that made me cringe was like, because he has to be, you know, he he's so insecure about not being as strong as her. And I can see that fine playing out in the battlefield. But now he's, like, making sex, like, a contest between them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can you not? Like, can you absolutely not be like, oh, I'm going to go a second round just to show you that I can? And it's, like, so, all this, like, performative masculinity bullshit that I can't stand. Well, but right, I do love, I do love when Buffy says I have the endurance of ten men. <laughs> and he can't handle it. He's yeah, like, he no, handle, let's make it women. I don't like thinking about men. <laughs> Meanwhile, you were literally dating Forrest just like a season ago. <laughs> <laughs> you and Forrest made googly eyes at each other for a whole season and now you can't think about men <sighs> in the bedroom. Okay, what? Okay, one more thing about this scene. I am so boggled. So like skipping ahead to the next scene just for a second... The whole thing where, like, you know, they're at the hospital and, like, that's how the sort of impetus of the episode happens where Don, like, holds a stethoscope up to everyone and, like, finds out that Riley's heartbeat is wild. Why didn't that just happen while they were fucking? Like, that would have been a really organic, easy way to do that. Right. Like, they were, like, holding each other and Buffy feels she Buffy feels yeah. his heartbeat and it's just, I, like, going a mile a minute. 
it's almost just like because they're trying to cram so much into this episode, they're trying to set up so much, right? They're trying to set up Riley. They're trying to set up Spike and they're trying to set up Joyce um, and Dawn. Like there's the next scene with the serial. They're setting up those two big threads. And then also Ben shows up. So it's just like, right. oh, I get it. You're just trying to do as you're trying to get everything out of the way. Yeah, I was watching the Dawn. So the Dawn breakfast scene, which is next. I was watching that scene and I was like, do 14 year olds still like look for the prize at the bottom of the cereal? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm 29 and I still look for the prize at the bottom of the cereal. Because <laughs> I definitely have one of those. Yeah. I definitely have one of those spoons that changes color. Like, <laughs> oh my might... God, they still make those? Sometimes you have to seek them out. <laughs> I actually wasn't sure. I was like, do they still put toys in cereal? Like, I didn't know if they did that anymore, but I definitely I think was... they do it less and less because of capitalism and they don't <laughs> want to give things away for free. Well, I'm... I think what they mostly do now is like have like, I always see at Target like, yeah. it's Super Mario cereal and you could win Super Mario. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a contest that you have to spend more money to get mm-hmm. whatever. That's fair. Um, I mean, not that those toys were ever, like, really well made. I remember, like, them being painted, like, terribly, but still being excited about them. Um, um, I got a Ninja Turtles ring from a box of Shreddies when I was five years old, so <laughs> they were pretty good. So back the fuck nothing, off, Ian. I feel like <laughs> nothing is better when we're talking about, like, food toys. I feel like McDonald's toys are, like, the gold standard. Yes, yes. 100%. Um, Except it was hard as, like, a little gay boy to be like, I, I want the girl toy. Oh, my God. I was, I was about I, to no. say, the Disney princess toys they put out, they were, like, good. They had, like, real doll hair. <laughs> but they would always do, like, they would always Even do, hair. like, it was, it was like, Disney princesses and Transformers. And they right. would, like, ask you when you were, when your mom was getting the Happy Meal, like, a boy or a girl toy. Yeah, anyway. And it was, it was, honestly, it was homophobic. It was misogynist. <laughs> It was patriarchal. It was all those things. Like, McDonald's was the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because of double standards, I was allowed to get the Transformer stuff, which um, I was pretty happy about. <laughs> I would be like, what they really oh, meant was, like, do you, does your little boy want a Transformer, or is he going to be gay? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so back to Buffy. Um, where the hell are we now? Oh, so Joyce, the breakfast oh, scene yeah right before she i faints. i have to say all of the like hints about joyce like watching it now like you're i'm like no like when she like, yeah. stops and then like drops the dishes it like, makes it way more heartbreaking because like you know she's going to die and it's like fuck yeah yeah now is what I yeah and there's also the scene. thing where she says like who are you and that's where it yeah. and that's sort of like so obviously um, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm a big Sailor Moon fan. Um, so, and there's a lot of parallels between Sailor Moon and Buffy. And I would argue that Joss Whedon definitely got some of his ideas for Buffy from Sailor Moon. Okay. But um, there's a character that sort of comes in midway through the series. Uh, that's whatever. It's her daughter from the future. Is it Chibi Sailor Moon? It's, yeah, Chibi Yusa. Look, I kind of knew something. <laughs> yeah. And she's very Dawn-like. And for a long time, you don't know if she's like... Um, well, uh, when she first comes, she you think she's sort of like an enemy of the Sailor Scouts. And I know that they sort of like make it... Try to make it clear that like Dawn is like just like her sister with the real me. But this is like sort of the first time I feel like they... Um, are foreshadowing that there's something up with Dawn. Like, like 
we're not just bringing in some random character. This isn't like the Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> like, th- this is an actual plot device we're using. Like, your mind is going to be blown. Just wait. So it's funny that the reason I know about uh, Sailor Moon is because one of our past guests, who's my best friend since eighth grade, she's like obsessed with Sailor Moon. And she has actually mentioned that to me before about Chibi Sailor Moon kind of being like Dawn. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other parent like, um, like Sailor Moon just wants to be a normal girl and doesn't like that she has to to fight crime and do all this stuff. Like, she just wants to be normal, and I feel like that's very much like the whole overarching theme of Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but- I could go. I could make a whole podcast just about that. So let's not. <laughs> I look forward to guessing on your Sailor Moon slash Buffy podcast. <laughs> Buffy podcast. <laughs> I just want to say that I think that one of the things that happens in the Joyce thing is that people realize that like it is very traumatizing to see that happen to a loved one, and like yeah. no one checks on Dawn. Like no one's like Dawn. You just watched <laughs> your mom have like a brain aneurysm in front of you. Are you okay? No, I mean to be fair, Buffy. That's the first thing she asks. She makes sure Dawn's okay. When she runs in, she does say, Dawn, are you okay? And, like, hugs her. And it's one of the first times we actually see Buffy be... Being nice to Dawn. Yeah. Like, we've yeah. only seen her be annoyed at her the last few episodes. <clears throat> and it was one of the first times, you know, and I think in the next episode... <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? I'm thinking, no, my mind went originally to, like, if Buffy walked into the hospital was annoyed with Dawn. It was like, what did you do to mom? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like, what did you do? Um... But yeah, no, I and I think we get, and I don't know, I, I mean, I guess because they were friends, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Michelle Trachtenberg, like, before, um, it makes sense that they do, they do sister love really well, I think, like, sibling love, familial love. Um, yeah. And when she hugs her, I think it seems genuine, because in the next episode, once she finds out Dawn, like, about Dawn, and, like, she's just, like, petting her hair, and that's, like, a cute thing she does to, like, her little sister. I don't know. I think it's it's cute. Um, but it is nice to see her do something other than be annoyed at Dawn, because that's all Dawn's been since she was introduced. Um, and so then we get, we meet Ben. Right. Dawn has Ooh. the stethoscope on. Is that the right word? That's the right word, right? <laughs> yes. Um, Ten years later, we'll be hot on a different show, but it, right now, just looks so early two thousands that I can't deal with it. Is it Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder that he's on? How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. I knew he, was he on just the cuts his show. hair and grows a beard and like gains like forty pounds, and all of a sudden he's like the hottest man alive. Oh, good for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get the scene where Dawn has them in her ears, and so we don't really hear what Ben's saying, but we know that like Joyce is okay. Uh, and then she puts it to Riley's chest and his heart's beating like crazy. Right. And I totally get what you were saying, Merritt, earlier about like the scene isn't necessary, but I do think just structurally it's cool like that Dawn, just like seeing Dawn put the stethoscope up and the way the sound is, um, you know, sort of muffled, it's just cool to watch. Yeah, so I sort of also feel like they were like, "This is a cool idea, so we're gonna do it." <laughs> My favorite is that in the script for the episode, it says that the sound effect is the frantic, inhuman beating of Riley's racing heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and so then <laughs> the doctor, like the doctor, is like confronting him about this, and she's like, "Your heart is literally going to explode, die." Um, and Riley is just like, "Well." I don't care. 
like you can't keep me here i'm gonna go and she's just and this doctor is just like trying to help him and he's just like being riley about it you see like buffy being really passive in this scene like she's not trying to stop him she's not agreeing with the doctor she's not saying anything well you know Uh, what and this is like a thing about buffy in relationships is that like they really do like buffy turns off part of her like type a personality in relationships especially with riley sometimes yes Mm -hmm. and it it feels like the buffy we know and love would fight to keep riley in the hospital she wouldn't just be like well you know boys will be boys it's like no yeah i mean i do think it tracks with how buffy is with riley but also it tracks for the rest of the season with her being preoccupied yeah. I agree. She's probably thinking about her mom, too. She's thinking of her mom and how to help her sister. And so it's kind of almost like, this is not a problem I can deal with right now. Like, Well, I mean, I, I just feel like, I guess, if you... if I mean, it is obviously super tragic that, like, her mom and her boyfriend are in the hospital at the same right. time. But, like, yes. I feel like the doctors are like, okay, Joyce can go. But the doctor's obviously saying Riley can't. <laughs> and so she would... I feel like she would defer to the doctor and be like, you're being toxic. You're being a toxic man. Well, even the Don't way that she's being quiet and not looking at him, like feels like she's in an abusive relationship. Like she, there's just something that's so quiet. I mean, I agree that it's, it doesn't seem like Buffy, but I think that's one of the things I almost like about it is that it's like, you know, people are more nuanced than that, where they can be really strong in one situation. And then in a different situation, like, just be a weak mess and it's like she doesn't know how to handle this she doesn't know how to handle him being such an asshole yeah and she and she does say that because the next scene after they do a little scene of of joyce on the couch she has the scene where she's with willow and dawn and she's saying like i don't understand what he's thinking um so okay so i was telling ian last night that i have this little theory about dawn that this scene brings up for me um, which I hadn't ever thought of before. But so they're talking about Riley and then uh, Buffy mentions the initiative and they cut to Dawn um, giving this really weird, confused look to Willow before she starts spouting off these random facts about Fidel Castro. Mm-hmm. And, and watching the real me when she describes Riley, you know, because she describes like each character, she doesn't mention the initiative. She only mentions that he's Buffy's boyfriend. So I feel like this is the first time since she's come on the scene that the initiative has been mentioned and that knowledge wasn't put into her by the monks. So it's like you're seeing her recalibrate to this new information and that she's probably doing this all the time with things like part of the spell that the monks cast is that as she's presented with new information that she should know, she just automatically adjusts to it versus being like, wait, what are you talking about? Hmm. I think that's part of it. I think it's like, there can be two or three different ways. Cause it's, it's interesting because the monks inserted her into Buffy's memories. So like all the memories are fake and they don't know the specific in and outs of like Buffy's life. So who knows how right. much Dawn knows about Angel, right? Like, how much did the monks know about what happened with Angel? And then the other yeah. part of it is, like, how much is it that, like, Dawn was just never told about the initiative because when it happened, she was 13 and she just thinks that Riley is, like, in the ROTC. 
<laughs> but then she seems to like just go with it. And as I said about Xander being useful before, like she actually is the one who ends up giving Buffy the the idea to you know go to his apartment and say something on his wired phone. Totally. She's not getting enough credit. I will agree with you that. Like, she basically moved the entire episode forward. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, Buffy, you could have just said, like, that's a great idea, Don. You just helped me. Like, but no, she's just like, I gotta go. I just feel like in any situation, if you were in a room talking about stuff and then, like, Don said that and Buffy said no words and got and just left, you'd be like, that was weird. Why didn't Buffy (laughs) say goodbye? Right. She just didn't talk to us. Also, I want to point out, I do love Willow... And, and, you know, it fits in with Willow. Willow's doing the best friend thing where she's trying to make everything seem okay, even though it's kind of not. And she's like, well, he is, Riley is in good shape. Like, as if that's okay for your heart to be ready to explode. Right, right. And I do think that's, like, cute and, like, fits in with their best friendship. I do think Buffy not saying anything makes sense for her. Like, if I were Willow or Dawn, I'd be like, what? You just didn't say anything and are leaving. What are you doing? But Buffy's, like, loner. I have to do everything on my own bullshit that she always has. Um, oh yeah, I, I don't that... question it. I'm just like you. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I also is it Riley's apartment that she goes into? Yeah, because you see his bed in the background that they had sex in earlier, where she was so relaxed. Because at first I thought, is this because there, I know? Isn't Matthew? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there like a scene in season four where they go into a shop and they have to call something? I don't know. Maybe that's in season seven when that's how they get a hold of the initiative. I don't know. Whatever. Because I was just like, wait, is this apartment? Doesn't he live in the dorm still? Like, I couldn't remember. I mean, I guess he wouldn't live in that frat house anymore because the initiative was... Right, it's destroyed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, I I do like that. I liked... I don't know, that like fits and I, I like the idea of it being like a super spy kind of thing um, and that's how the initiative the only way it can be remotely interesting to me is when it's like more spy oriented less military government whatever and then we see Graham poor Graham he gets beat well, up then, twice first, well you skip the rock Graham, music body spray commercial essentially <laughs> I was gonna say it was like a 90s anti-drug commercial oh yeah yeah <laughs> so many things at once <laughs> Riley stops playing basketball. He's like, "You can't do this with drugs unless they're from the government." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Graham. That actor is not that great. Oh, but I was so in love with him. But you could cut glass on that jawline, though. Oh yeah. Oh totally. And yeah. on his hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> like gelled. I love that it's gelled down and then has like just like this thin like fin. Like, of a shield of bangs. <laughs> um, I was going to say, it's almost my hairstyle, but no, my hair is all up. Um, I, Ilson, I read a lot of fanfic about Graham Forrest and Riley, so, like, yes, I agree he is attractive. No, that's uh, a Sean Cody film for sure. Yeah. I mean, he looks straight up like he does gay porn. Yeah. And he's also trying very hard to cover up a southern accent, which I always think is cute in actors, like, when they're covering up accents, like, not very well. <laughs> I thought he just talked weird. I didn't even realize that's what it was. Um, yeah, he's Southern or something. But so Graham gets beat up. Uh, and it really is stupid. Like, even Graham is being sensible. And Riley can't even listen to a male who was his friend. Like, Riley at this point yep. just thinks he's right no matter what. Riley sucks. 
it, like, it's so frustrating because, like, really, Graham is literally there to help him. That's all he's there to do. And Riley beats him up. It's like, oh, cool. Well, I, I think mean, just to give Riley a charitable edit is that I also think that, like, he thinks that all stuff from the government is bad and that there can be nothing of good that can come of even associating with them. Even if you say it's to help you, he probably feels like I could go back and like go there and they could do like a second chip or a locator chip or put me back on drugs or whatever. Like he feels like there's not a net positive thing that can come from it. Yeah. So he runs off to subscribe to soldier of fortune magazine and start an independent state. <laughs> he's like in a, in a cave. He's like I don't I don't uh, think government IDs are real. I don't, <laughs> I don't recognize, recognize the United States authority. taxation is theft. <laughs> <laughs> now he's an incel. <laughs> no, he's a man going his own way. <laughs> Lord, um. Um, I do think that like there's a whole metaphor about steroids obviously in what's happening in this episode oh yeah um so i think part of it is also like the chemicals that are in his body or whatever's happening is not just affecting him physically like it's affecting him psychologically and so like i'm not a riley fan so i don't mean to be like a riley apologist in this moment but i do think he's unreasonable because his brain is just not working right. Like, it's not just that he's a jerk. Like, it's that the things that make him a jerk have been turned up to, like, a level 11. And that's fair. Um, That's a total fair assessment. I do... I mean, I don't... I think Matthew and I both, we don't hate Riley as much as it can seem sometimes, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that um, Ben Affleck uh, HBO movie about steroids that he did. It was, like, his first movie. I have not. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) It's amazing. He just has all these rage blackouts, and that's basically, and it's just like, it's like a 45 minute um, steroid PSA starring Ben Affleck at like 20 years old. Well, wasn't that, wasn't, what was that Steven Soderbergh movie with Channing Tatum, Side Effects? Yeah, but that's oh, yeah. not, that's not about that though. Yeah, oh, that's I'm about... just asking because I don't remember the movie. Uh, no, that, maybe it that's was. That's about the wife kills Channing Tatum and her, like, alibi is that the like i think it's antidepressants that she was on like made her black out yeah but uh, really she was having one well, i didn't realize you knew the plot to side effects on like the back of your hand <laughs> i saw I, it <laughs> i saw it too and it was bad yeah it's really i saw bad. it i didn't remember what it was about but it was chang tatum so i was like maybe there was something about steroids <laughs> Now we have to go to the most important scene in Buffy history, which is when Buffy confronts Graham and then does the majestic oh, turnaround. So good. <laughs> the majestic, like this camera changes the frame rate. I swear. <laughs> it is honestly the most iconic turn. It's hairography, like at its best. Like, and she says, if you tell me to hurry, I'm going to kick your ass. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Wait, so I put in my notes today because I rewatched it today, but I had watched it last night. I put it on while I was in bed after I took an Ambien and literally I yelled, fuck him up and clapped and then like immediately fell asleep after that scene. <laughs> <laughs> like the, that was the most slaying that Buffy the Vampire Slayer ever did <laughs> was when she turned around and told Graham, I'm going to kick your ass as her hair. Like, truly, just, oh my god. And it's funny, because later in the episode, when Spike is pissed and running away with Harmony, he calls, he says, like, uh, shampoo shampoo commercial commercial hair, hair. which is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I do think at the time she was working with L'Oreal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that there's little jokes. That I think they're doing this on purpose a little bit. <laughs> well, because in Buffy vs. Dracula, she has a really good like hair flip turn as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, her hair just looks amazing this season. It does. And I don't think it's like extensions. I don't think it's a wig. I think this is just one of the Slayer's powers. <laughs> okay, that was, we discussed that in Buffy vs. Dracula, whether we thought... Extensions. Her, had no... her follicles just grow better hair than most than yeah. all, than all humans. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's I I literally put like Buffy's hair turn, her telling Graham she's gonna take his ass, like all great. Um so then what is it, Xander? Yeah, so then they're in a magic box discussing what they're gonna do. Uh and was Zan- Xander was talking about Buffy, right? When he's like, Oh, sometimes you have a crush on someone and they don't like you back. Well, no, he's talking about in the previous episode when Riley says she doesn't love me. So he's, yeah, so he's saying that. Yeah. Oh. uh, Yeah, he's saying Riley's freaking out because he doesn't think Buffy loves him. Hi, I have a Buffy podcast and I didn't even realize this. I was like, is he referring to himself as a teenager? Because he didn't, like, run away. Okay. I only really know that because in the, like, previously on for this episode, that's the very first scene they show, and I've watched this episode, like, nine times this week, so I <laughs> just made that connection very clear in my brain. <laughs> yeah, like, Xander's the only one who knows that Riley feels that way, and I feel like he's just trying to breadcrumb it. Like, he's trying to, like, tell Buffy without, like, betraying Riley's confidence that he's not feeling the love from her, hence the runnage away. I feel like that would almost be like an okay thing for Xander to be like, hey, Buffy, your boyfriend needs some extra love. Like, he feels... Yeah, like, I feel right, that'd be like an okay thing as her best... One of... Well, not her best friend, just clearly her and Willow are the best friends and Xander's the other. Yeah, but but it's also like they're in a group situation. Yeah. And I also feel like Xander's, like, not, like, the most masculine guy, but he is a boy, yeah. A straight boy, so he's not so comfortable with like Talking. the feelings. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I do love Anya being like, "Don't feel insecure. I like you." <laughs> like I love <laughs> when Anya tries to comfort anyone because <laughs> I just feel like she's very like there, there. Like, well, it's like how later in the season, after uh, Tara gets mind sucked, and she's like, "I'll sleep with you." Oh, that came out a lot more lesbian than I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I really want to know why Buffy thinks, why Buffy tells Xander and Anya to check the docks. The docks, like, right? Riley is right. not going to sew away as cargo in some merchant ship. Because he's going to an oil rig to start an independent state. <laughs> I never already <laughs> called it. <laughs> like, the docks, honestly, I laughed out loud. Because yeah, we're still always talking about, like, how big is Sunnydale actually? So the fact that Sunnydale is also, like, this this merchant marine town like <laughs> this right, port exactly. of entry for like the rest of southern well, like, california's vibrant like, trade industry like no in the second season there's like a number of episodes that involve the docks um so it's been well established that a lot of shit goes down there <laughs> well, i know but like, it always makes me laugh because like no trip- but i know but it's like they haven't mentioned the docks like since then and now all of a sudden it's like that's probably where like why why would he be there like and obviously in my brain like the only reason a guy would go down to the docks is not why riley's would be going <laughs> right that's if you're searching from for some sailor dick because like the school makes <laughs> sense right like that makes sense because he did hide out there like 
sending right. Willow and Tara there. That's also, like, okay. I mean, like, if Willow and Tara are there, why isn't your first thing, like, Willow, Tara, do a locator spell? That's literally all you need to say. And, like, they do that. That's the thing that they do, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the plan here is a little flimsy, because then we get Giles telling Buffy, well, Spike knows the initiative caves. And her going to Spike, well... First, then we cut. She's like, "Oh, you know, he's doing something nasty in there." And I think it's perfect that we cut to Spike and Harmony <laughs> playing twenty questions. <laughs> yes, and then I love her knocking on the door and Harmony immediately being like, "She found me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony. So one of my actually one of my I didn't realize how many kind of iconic moments are in this episode besides the hair flip and the thing I talked about earlier that I can't <laughs> remember. Oh, the duck zipper lobe joke. But when she rips the money in half. <laughs> when he says half now, half later, it is one of the most genius things. What? Okay, but question. Why does Spike need money? Is it for hair dye? And then if so, <laughs> why couldn't he just rob a Dwayne Reed or whatever you have in California? <laughs> I think that he, well, I think he buys pig's blood. Since yeah. He can't I mean, drink. I guess. Why couldn't he just steal human blood from a blood? I don't know. Well, because if they tried to he's fight him... He's a vampire. Him, he's trying to be on the straight like, and narrow. He can't fight the guards anymore. Yeah, he can't so, fight... So he like, but, he also, but he also buys cigarettes and all... Like, he still participates in the American economy. Yeah, <laughs> so. he has needs. <laughs> he has to pay for cable. See, he's on, in the, on the... How on does the... he get cable in a crib? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, these are the has, questions I don't think no he one has is cable. asking. I think he has an antenna, because he only watches... Passions in Dawson's Creek, and those are on basic cable. So okay, wait, same it, question. How does he even plug in the TV? <laughs> yeah. Does he have a generator? So wait, that's actually we discussed this because in Maybe. season four, Anya brings that up in the episode really? where Spike moves out of Xander's basement. What is she? I can't remember exactly what she says, but remember Matthew, we even talked about that. How like it's, I do. It's like the points she makes are like they kind of get annoyed with Anya, but she's right because I think she says. Like, oh, how will you plug this in? And, like, <laughs> that all still stands, but we just kind of, like, wash over that. Like, ah, silly Anya, but, like, she's right. <laughs> if she, right. If he does have a generator, Merit, then I would totally be on the, like, Spike is a survivalist bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, he, everyone in this episode is, like, running away from the government. <laughs> but yeah, he's living off the grid. The, mm-hmm. Listen, the ripping up the money... I was like, girl, you are not rich. What are you doing? Like, yeah, that's how I felt about it. Like, it is iconic, but at the same time, like, she's a Capricorn, and I'm a Capricorn, and I don't think we would ever do that. <laughs> but it's not her money. It's money for Spike. But but like, it's still, like, where does she get the money? Like, like probably she's from Giles? Yeah, from Giles. Yeah. But Giles, like, he has to, he's starting up a business. He's a small business owner. Uh, What I love, you know what, what Paul, I have a good podcast idea for you. (laughs) Yes. It's watching all of Buffy and deciding whether or not she's acting truly like a Capricorn. (laughs) She usually is, is what I'll tell you. Because, yeah, like, do the writers think about that? Because, like, they need to, like, you're writing a Capricorn. What does that mean? I like, think I, I can tell you. Did. I found out her birthday and that we were both Capricorns. How excited it made me! That's yeah, and I mean, she's the cusp of Aquarius, so I always get really happy because her birthday is only two days before mine. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that's how we're connected. Anyway, um, 
back to the episode. So then we get... So Buffy telling him where to go just felt like Buffy, but I get that she's not thinking straight. But, like, right, it feels like, why would she give Spike all the info? And, like, he could maybe fuck it up or, like, do what he does. Uh, and then, what is it? The next scene is her finding him in the cave? Yeah. Uh, no, I think the next scene is the hospital where the surgeon's oh. like, I'm worried he's going to die. Um, and then, like, because I think it, we cut to a commercial before this. And right. then I think Spike and Harm show up. Um, yeah, knock out Graham, knock out the guards. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Graham gets knocked out for the second time in this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder if that actor was like, that's really bad for you. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> the concussions are, are, oh, God, that's so bad for you. To quote my favorite Cordelia line, one of these days you're going to wake up in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so that happens. I I feel like Buffy should have thought about that, but I understand she's worried about her boyfriend. Also, what was he going to do in the goddamn caves? Like, he didn't bring shit with him. Punch rocks. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, I, get, I mean, I think that you're all being... Well, Paul, you were being more fair. And I think you're right. Like, he's not... He's also not thinking straight because it could be like a rage blackout or whatever. But it is Well, really he kind of reminds me of... On Jessica Jones, the the cop who takes the oh, yeah. the pills. Like I sort of feel like that's what's happening. Like he's just but in this scene it seems like he he is sort of like he the first thing he says is like it's this doesn't even hurt. And he doesn't say it in like um a proud way, like look how strong I am. He's saying it like this is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I do like that. She, I, I think when I first watched this, I was like, oh, she has to beat him up, but she doesn't. For some reason, it rem- I remembered it as her having to beat him up. Mm. I was glad that didn't... That would have been just, like, frustrating. Uh, but then, so... I mean, it would be kind of cool to see them fight. Like, Yeah, but we already got <laughs> that. Like, just, just for catharsis, I would like her to beat the <laughs> shit out of him a little. <laughs> um, so, unless I have my notes wrong, I think before this, there is another scene. Um oh. It's the burnt out school. Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And actually, even before that, I have a question about the hospital scene. Um, so the surgeon is like all like, oh, I can't take this chip out. This is like a really complicated thing. And Spike's like, you're a doctor. This, You're a doctor that Buffy led me to. You know how to do the thing. <laughs> um, and it's like, can Spike be killed by having his brain poked? Like, how vampire work? <laughs> well, here's the other thing. No. Do you like... Do vampires... So one of the things that I was thinking about in this episode is that um, the doctor says to Spike, like, if I do the operation wrong, you're going to be a vegetable. And it's like, can vampires be that? Like, I think like, don't vampires, they heal? The whole thing is that they heal super fast. Like, they never get sick and stuff. And it's like, can he even be that? Like, he's Wait, already dead. Technically, if he's dead, like, his brain isn't even firing neurons. So, like... Right. So right, really he's just a weird flesh puppet powered by a demon birth. soul, right? Or a demon, just a demon. Right. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there was a quote from Joss Whedon where he had said, like, people asked if, like, vampires don't, like, have circulation and blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't be able to get erections, but if they couldn't get erections, the show would have lasted one season. Um, so, like, you know, I feel like... like I think it's just, don't worry I think about it's it. Just one of those things Basically, where it's like a just, wizard did it. Um, <laughs> it's a supernatural spooky erection without blood. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a oh. demon in there. A little like devil. my favorite kind of erection, a spooky one. Speaking <laughs> well, of spooky magic it, and like... wizards. Spooky erections is like a great series name. Oh my god. <laughs> spooky erections. Just like an art exhibit. <laughs> spooky erections. I think um... that's just called baddragon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I was thinking about um, the Buffy movie coming up to this week. I've obviously been thinking about Buffy a lot this week. Um, and, like, one of the only things that, like, I don't think is an improvement from the movie is, like, in in the folklore of the movie, she has the power to sense vampires because she gets cramps whenever they're around. And, like, obviously they had to get rid of that because then the whole Angel storyline would have never worked. So I feel like there are just things where... They're like, just, he has a chip in his brain, like, just deal with it. Like, don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, so, at the burnt-out school, the scene, all the scene really does is start the magic is a drug plotline, because I think this is the first time it happens, because um, they're like, oh, we should have brought a flashlight. Like, why didn't we think to do that in this, like, burnt-out school at night? Um, and Willow's <laughs> like, no, just make a light. And um, Tara's just like, mm. yeah, she's like, well, I taught you how to do something like, like I taught you how to take a bump, and now you're like buying like kilos. <laughs> <laughs> well, even more so than the drug thing, it 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 sets up because there was a if everyone remembers uh, the Buffy Tara fight at the multicultural festival at the end of season five. <laughs> Which it's always my favorite thing to say. <laughs> um, she says, you know, like, she has that little Freudian slip where she says, it scares me how powerful you're getting. And this is the first time they hint that, like, Willow is surpassing Tara in her magical ability. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, Tara's even, like, looking at her like, how did you do that? And it's like, your knowledge of magic is already kind of growing past mine so i it's like this payoff is gonna isn't gonna come until like episodes 17 or 18 but it's like a really interesting payoff yeah yes um, i agree and then <laughs> we also get obviously the iconic uh, uh walking around with a flashlight like a doofus like <laughs> and then the doofus uh, is buffy yeah <laughs> and then it's like here's buffy with the flashlight she's a what doofus. an idiot <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. What an asshole! Who uses a flashlight? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think this is. Um, I think this is also the last shot of the school. Oh yeah. In the series, I think. Do we get oh. the basement later on with Spike in well, like season seven, or is that, that somewhere else? But I mean, the that's like the new school, so it's like. Oh right! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this is probably like the old, the last old Sunnydale. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so then we get the fight. Well, no, so then I wanted to point out I do love the harmony bit where she's smoking the cigarette and the doctor says, like, uh, you know, please put that out. It's really not allowed. She's like, says who? And there's a no smoking sign. And that her reply as an evil demon vampire is, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see the sign. Yes, she might be an evil blood sucking demon, but she, like, she follows the rules. She's basically a good kid. She's probably a good one, too. Like, it's just such a silly, good bit. I don't know. I loved it. She gets so many good lines in these couple of scenes because then, you know, she's leaning in to see Spike's brain and is like, 
do you know what it means that he can't hurt people? He can't even pick flowers. And Spike's just like, what? Yes, I can. I can. (laughs) (laughs) I love what, like, his masculinity is so at threat that he needs to tell the doctor that he can pick a flower. Uh Well, and I think it also, like, kind of pokes at what we were saying before, like, how do vampires work and sort of thing. It's like, how does this chip even work? It's like, the the rules aren't set. So it's like... Because there's also the the part in season four where he can't even aim a gun at someone. So it seems to work on intent to take life. Yeah. But only sometimes. But is it just human? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um... So this scene where Riley is punching the cave <laughs> and bleeding is a metaphor for all masculinity because he's doing yeah. it to himself. <laughs> and he's just dumb. Like, he's like literally just making his hand bleed just because it doesn't hurt. It's, I can't, I really can't with him. He's making his hand bleed because masculinity is prefaced on an envy of the womb and he can't bleed. <gasps> so he has to make himself bleed. Marriage. Wow. I, I cracked it wide open with my freshman level college analysis. Wow. I'm um, blown away. <laughs> I'll take your wigs now. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Wigs wow. gone. But, um, the, the kind of payoff of this scene, right, is that Riley admits that, like, why he won't go in is because he's worried that he'll just become a normal guy and then he won't be enough for Buffy. Um, and because also men are terrified of women's bottomless sexual desire. Um, and then she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I am in love with you. And you're like worried that if you're not a superhero, then I wouldn't be interested. Like if I want a superhero, I would just be dating Spike, which is just like, Hmm. I I yelled. Yeah. I think that line's so weird. It's like, why is he the first person that comes to your mind? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, so one of the my one of the most telling lines too is like when she when he's talking about Angel, and he says your last boyfriend wasn't exactly a civilian. Like the fact that he uses the phrase civilian, yeah, yeah. and like the just... Angel comparison, like Angel wanted Buffy to have someone normal, and Truly. Riley is like, I need superpowers to keep up with you. Oh my god, that's such an interesting yeah, like you deserve someone who can take you on the light and then she finds someone who takes on the light and she's like and he's like, Yeah, but I'm not as dark and brooding as your last (laughs) Like can y'all just be some can y'all just be confident that Buffy likes you? (laughs) No, they're terrified of her. Yeah. I like this scene also because I think it's another like sort of like with her debating with Willow about um a school subject, like a lot of times when Buffy gets really emotional, it's much more about her having to deal with something and it gets very internal. And this is purely about her being upset that her boyfriend like might die and she's worried about him. And like Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting is different, like in the scene than when she usually is crying on the show and it's very like outward and towards Riley and for Riley. And I think that also shows like a maturing, like she's not just thinking about herself anymore. She's really um, become more selfless, which obviously like foreshadows the end of the season in a way. Mm-hmm. So I actually, and the thing is in this scene, I will say, I actually think that this is a like 
Buffy's speech to Riley, basically, not only is Sarah Michelle Gellar doing great at selling it, like, it actually is super emotional. Like, I think it's really yeah. rich emotional territory for the two characters. Um, when she says that, like, I've never opened up to anyone the way that I have to you and stuff like that. And you really don't think about it, but, like, because I always say when you actually go watch the Buffy Angel romance, it's very rushed. And they really, like, don't. Yeah. They, like, just fall in love really instantly. And it is, like, in high school where everything is artificial on that level. Mm-hmm. And also, Buffy had so much trauma around sex because the last time that she had sex... I mean, when the first time she had sex, her boyfriend turned evil. And then the second time she had sex, Parker left her. So even though we do make fun of Buffy and Riley having a lot of sex, I think part of it is, like, Buffy working out her trauma around intimacy with him. Yeah. I actually do think that she's, like, working... That like, but that Riley has been overall really good for her, and like how emotional she gets in this scene about like opening up to him about stuff and, and all of her past traumas, I think is actually really good and poignant. Yeah, and because you don't necessarily like see her opening up to him in that way, but I didn't even think about it on the sexual level, where like she, this is the first time she's been able to have like a continuous normal sexual relationship that's healthy, and where like she's seems pretty satisfied like (laughs) like toxic as he is like as a man like at least he's helping her in that way yes yes no when he when he finally agrees to go he has this line where he says like loving you is the scariest thing i've ever done and her Uh, response uh, is so perfect she's just like i don't know why like yeah (laughs) because he's a dude <laughs> and he like right yeah he's just the uh, scariest thing you've ever done is love someone who's like a little bit physically stronger than you Ooh, right who yeah. loves you back like oh wow yeah. you're fucking well not to be again the riley whisperer riley apologist but, yeah but i do think like she could die like any day yeah that's true um and like also, she's like a mystical being. <laughs> like, yeah. I get a little why he's freaked out. Um, and I do think, but it's also like telling to me that like she doesn't understand, she can't even fathom why it would be scary. So I think that they're both kind of being assholes in that moment a little bit, if that makes sense. Like, they're just both so in their own worlds where like she just wants her boyfriend to be okay. And he just wants, in one way, like, Yes, he is, like, toxic masculinity, but I think there's also part of him where, like, she could die and, like, he knows that he can't stop that or protect her. And just on a relationship level, like, that's a scary thing, like, to feel like you can't protect, like, the person you love. Well, you know what's interesting, too, psychologically is, like, on the other end of it, I'm sure that he thought to some girl, I'm going to be, like, oh, you're in the army, you could get killed, and I can't help that. So he actually probably went into college thinking he would get in a relationship with some girl who would be like, I don't know if you're going to die like someday out on a mission. And like he would be the Buffy role, right? He would be like the super strong protector who was in a death defying situation all the time. And now he's having to end up in like the the female role in that situation that he that he was in his head and he can't take it. Yeah, like, when will my Slayer come back from war? <laughs> <laughs> Looking out the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we get them fighting. So then they come in, 
He says he <laughs> took fight. the chip out. <laughs> they fight. Uh, and I also love that... I, this is the first time I've noticed it, and, you know, I've watched every episode a billion times, but the doctor does make a little bit of a face to, like, tell you, oh, he did something, because Harmony goes to put out the cigarette, and then he's like, oh, got it. Got the chip. Um, yeah. And what's funny is... For a second, I thought, but she looks at the brain. She would see, but, like, of course, Harmony <laughs> wouldn't notice that. That's, like... <laughs> right. It's, yeah. She's just, like, excited I love to when, be Buffy, when Buffy and Riley come in, and then the doctor runs out, and Buffy just kind of, like, knocks into the side and is like, we need you. Yeah. And, like, he still, like, falls over, <laughs> essentially. And I love that Harmony, like, accidentally shoots Riley in the leg. Then <laughs> <laughs> even says, oops. <laughs> um... And I think that this is actually a pretty good Buffy fight. Uh, yeah. I uh, like the whole, like, the setting. There's, like, lots of, like, medical stuff flying everywhere. Yeah, I like yeah. a good, like, scene to smash. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff to smash into and to shit to land on you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, I thought of, like, uh, when Faith and Buffy fight in Buffy's house in season four. Like, I mm-hmm. like when there's a lot of things you can smash through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about the fight. I mean, you know, then Spike finds out the chip didn't really get taken out. The doctor says, like, so said I couldn't do it. They run away. They fix Riley. Well, Riley uh, has a heart attack first, right? Cause oh, right. Like, that's fi- right. Yeah, he's fighting uh, Harmony. And then he's just like, oh, and then Harmony's just like, okay. Yeah, like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. Like, doesn't bite him or anything. Yeah. Just They just run off. Yeah. Right. And then, the, and then he's recovering essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ram is like Riley, come with me on some military adventures where we'll destabilize some South American governments. Code for oh, airbag oh, right. each other. <laughs> and there's a whole scene where he's oh like, where he's like, what are you, the mission's boyfriend? <laughs> And it's just like, oh, great. So now your asshole male friend is going to, like, ruin your relationship, like, that you just kind of got back together. It's like... (laughs) So... Yeah. Then we get them running away. um, And, you know, Spike's just, like, freaking the fuck out. And, you know, he says the, like, fancy shampoo commercial hair bit. um, Which is funny, because she does have fancy shampoo commercial hair. Uh... And then what is it? Is it just immediately the dream scene? I forget. Yeah, well, they run, and then Riley gets fixed. Oh, right. And then we cut to... because, But previously, you know, Spike was, like, cussing out Buffy. Riley gets fixed. And then we go to Buffy breaking into Spike's place, where he is dressed in this incredible shirt. Right, he is. (laughs) But before we get to his amazing pajamas... um, There's this little, when he's like, when they're in the graveyard, him and Harmony, and he's like pissed about Buffy, and he says like, um, he says something that's like, her whole holier than thou attitude. You don't really hear it, but Harmony says, but aren't we unholy, technically? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. She's the best. Uh-huh. But yeah, so then we, then Buffy gets into the crypt and he's wearing like some weird Chinese gold embroidered but also i love that he like rips it like it's his dream but he's the one i mean which i feel like like i always say spike is more like submissive bottom um because he's (laughs) even in his own dream he's the one that's like the sex object like he's like being objectified he throws off his shirt all dramatically like it's a fucking spanish soap opera and like 
I I don't know. I I love that scene, and I wanted to point out that in my dorm room, when I lived in a dorm for a year, I had a picture of them kissing. Like, I had, like, there was, like, some <laughs> website where you could order, like, professional stills where it was, like, a laminated photo. But it was really just, like, someone screenshot it. But it was, like, you know, 2001. And I had that photo. I like, ordered it from a website and had it hanging on my wall in my dorm room. <laughs> incredible so i because i always think of that as like an iconic season five outfit but really i think she just wears it in this episode but yeah yeah um and i love the wake up where it's like he wakes up with harmony next to him and he's like oh god uh um i do have to say though that that kiss as well as their kiss after the musical episode are two of the most unappealing kisses i've ever (laughs) seen on screen like it just looks like they like it, it looks like they're both have lost motor function control and are just like smashing their faces together. And we know that Sarah Michelle Gellar can kiss on screen because we've seen it happen so many times. So I'm like, is there just an issue with her and James Marsters where like they're not good at kissing each other, but they get better. I think their kisses are good. I think it's very them where it's like, ah, we don't know what we're doing, but we're sexually attracted to each other. Like this kiss. Is I mean, I get fucking. that it's like, violent and sort of like aggressive but it also just like is just it's just ugly too which i guess is them now i'm like, like so maybe that's part of it now i'm like worried I'm you know sometimes it's just <laughs> <laughs> matthew i was gonna say sometimes it's just centrifugal motion it's perpetual bliss wow. it's that pivotal moment it's impossible this kiss this kiss what is this you're doing is this I... a bit what is this Oh my go. god, it's This Kiss by Faith Hill, one of the most important songs in the 1990s. Songs of all time. <laughs> also, that song um, was featured in Practical Magic. Yes. So it's just a magical Very song. Very important moment in Practical Magic. Yes. Merritt, you were going to say? <laughs> I was just going to say, I gotta, my mom says I gotta go because of that, that, that bit. I gotta leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think it's time. We're there at the end. Um, favorite outfit, Paul? Okay, honestly, so this is hard for me. I really like Buffy's um, debating outfit. I also just like Graham's um, Banana Republic. Like, I, he just looks hot, so I like his Banana Republic sweater. <laughs> and, and but I have to. I think the winner is definitely Spike's weird, like Chinese pajamas. <laughs> All right, Merritt. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be an oddball pick, Dark Uh-oh. Horse. But Giles' working man plaid and paint-stained jeans with the air filter hanging around his neck, like, it's so <laughs> choice. It's right. so it's so just like Giles in, like, mask drag, like, oh, look, I'm capable. I'm doing the thing. Um, <laughs> like, it's so not typical Giles, and I love it. All right. Matthew? Choice. Yes, that is a good choice, I... Matthew. I'm just going to go with Willow's sweater. (laughs) They're always iconic. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, Mine is, I love the white shirt and the red pants. I love Buffy and red pants. Um, All right. Favorite scene, Merritt? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Spike's dream. Like, (laughs) that's like the the best clear. I don't know. To me, like Harmony and Spike hanging out is pretty good. They're like the debate at the beginning is pretty good. But like the dream is just like. You know, that's the memorable part of this episode for me. All right. Uh, Matthew? Hmm. 
I'm going to say that the most, that the the scene at the end with Spike and Buffy is also my pick, but I'm also going to say that the most memorable moment is Buffy's tur- iconic turnaround <laughs> that's not a full scene. <laughs> uh, Paul? Um, I like this scene in the caves. I just like Buffy's monologue, and I think that she's really acting her face off. Alright. Um, I think... Mine, I put it was a tie between uh, the end dream scene and Harmony first coming into Spike's mm-hmm. uh, crypt. Uh, okay, and now we'll grade the episode, uh, Merritt. Oh, wait, can I can oh. I say my favorite line and haircut? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay, I thought you asked for these, but I just had them <laughs> down, so I'm, I'm just, these are my categories. Um, so, best line, I think, is Spike like immediately after a cut when Buffy's like, I bet they're doing something horrible right now. And but Spike's just like, is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> um, and it turns out that it is a bread box. Um, and then best haircut goes to Ben, the interns gelled center part and sideburns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a good, yeah. It's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And Merritt, you should lead us into grading the episode. How do you grade the episode? Yeah. So, um, someone said earlier that this is a setup episode and I totally agree. Like it's not flashy. It's just laying the groundwork like for Spike's weird obsession with Buffy, for Riley leaving, for Ben and Glory, for Don's true identity and for Joyce's death. Um, so I think it's like a necessary episode and it has some funny scenes. I think Harmony really steals the whole episode, it really nails Riley's character down as like a fucking asshole um, <laughs> who we all hate and no one disagrees with that. Um, and it's definitely not, you know, even in the top 10 of this season. So I would give this episode a C plus. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, Paul, how do you rate the episode? I was going to give it a B minus, which I thought was harsh. Um, (laughs) so, so now I feel like I need to rethink. Um, I even say that as an episode, before talking about it, I would have given it a B minus and just like sort of going through it with you guys. And really there are just a lot of good little moments in the episode. I think that puts it at a a solid B though. It's definitely, yeah, it's, it's in no one's top 10 Buffy episodes. Okay. Matthew. I am going to say B minus. And B minus is my grade as well. Um, if you want to, thank you guys for joining us and thank you guys for listening. If you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. Um, and if you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, he is at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. And if you want to follow Ian, you can follow Ian at ENXCarlos. Merritt, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm just at Merritt K on Twitter. Uh, two R's and two T's. Great. And Paul? Um, you can find me at uh, UggFine88 on Twitter. Um, or you can just look up Sailor Bluto on Instagram or Twitter and you'll find me. And if you like us, don't forget to rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play and Stitcher and SoundCloud and some other places. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.